0: loved us and recognized our need for salvation and sent our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you today. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day, like it says in your word, that today is the day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are starting a new sermon series here entitled Words to Live By. And uh, I got a new clicker and I hope it works. The old clicker wasn't working very well, and now, uh, is it plugged in back there? Oh man, well, maybe, maybe I need the old clicker, Tom. Uh, sorry about that, we, uh, technical difficulties, okay, we'll get this figured out. The new sermon series, Tom, maybe you can just click through it too as you bring the new clicker up there, but uh, the, the new sermon series is entitled Words to Live By. Do you remember getting any words to live by when you were a kid? Do you remember um, maybe it was something that a parent told you or a trusted adult they told you and and as you heard it, you just kind of thought, oh yeah, that sounds important. I should hold on to that one. Um, I remember one in my household growing up that it was, uh, I want you to know the value of hard work. And I'm not saying that I lived that one out perfectly, but I, I remember hearing it and thinking, oh yeah, It makes sense that if there's something that's my responsibility that I should do it and that I should do it well and that there's actually value in hard work. I asked Christine if she had any and she had one from her mom. Her mom told her once, remember to be teachable. And that just always stood out there. Isn't that kind of neat? We don't know everything there is to know and, and we need to remember to be teachable. Um, Another one that Christine brought up, this was from Greg Anderson. Um, Some of you maybe know Greg Anderson, the director of Inspiration Point Bible Camp. He said, remember who you are. As we go through this life, we need to remember that, that we belong to Jesus and we are to shine as lights for him. Um, I also googled some other ones I googled my mama always said and and saw what would come up and you might not be surprised the first one that came up was my mama always said life is like a box of chocolates I don't know (laughs) any of your mamas actually say that to you but it's a famous one or how about this one my mama always said respect your elders there's a good one or my mama always said choose your words carefully I remember my mom saying something like that and uh, she taught me about uh, about about the heart intent behind the words that you say thank you (laughs) see if this one works here now. Um, it does. All right. Um, yeah, thanks to our, our... We thought we had this figured out, but now we have a new clicker, and now we have an old clicker. But Okay. Um, my mama always said, anybody, your mama say this, eat it or starve. That's a good one. Or I really like this one. If at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way mom told you. Or... Finish this last one with me if you, if you know it. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. That is a good one. Now, we can be thankful for the words of advice that have been handed down to us, words of wisdom that, that can really impact our lives. Now, with God's Word, it, it's more than that because it's not just like good advice or good suggestions. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Bible isn't just people's best attempt to understand spiritual matters. The Bible is God's word and it is living and active. And over the course of this sermon series that we're doing, I want you to remember to treasure scripture. I want you to know what a gift it is that God has given us his word. that, That Jesus prayed that we would be made holy through it. That Jesus said, Scripture cannot be broken. Isn't that good to know that as we cling to Scripture, we know that it can't be broken? Jesus also compared Scripture to food, saying man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I believe that God will transform us. He will mold us and shape us into the people he wants us to be as we humbly submit to his word. So for this sermon series, I've picked out my ten favorite Bible verses. Uh, and I, I've grouped them into five sets of two, so it's a five-week sermon series that we're doing. I want to explain to you a little bit of the process of how I came to my, pick out my ten favorite Bible verses because as I sent out in an email earlier this week, I want you to pick out your favorite Bible verses. In fact, I'd be really encouraged if you would send me your list and, and even if you would give me permission to share your list with the congregation. I, I think it'd be cool if we came up with a document and here's my ten favorite verses and here's somebody else's and here's somebody else's. I just think that we would all be encouraged to know what scripture God has spoken to us and has really touched our souls. Uh, So for me, what I did, um, a few months ago, I I wanted to do this project where I would pick out my ten favorite verses, because you know, I always used to say, I think it's one of my favorite verses, and I thought there would be like a hundred of them, but uh, in my top ten. So I I said, I want to actually figure out what my top ten are. So, um, now let me back up a little bit, because part of this process for me has been a lifetime of, of reading scripture. Um, It was sometime when I was in high school, so three years ago, um, no I'm kidding, it was more like 27 years ago that this happened, Um, somebody challenged me to read scripture every day and I took him up on that challenge. So I've been reading scripture daily for a long time and God has spoken to me. And And I wanted to collect some of those verses. So a few months ago what I did is I started skimming through the Bible, and you know how you kind of get to know where the verses are on the page? Um, I I skimmed through the Bible, like, oh yeah, there's one there, and there's one there. And my first time through, trying to figure out what verses might be in my top ten, I got 139 of them. So, um, 139 verses in my top ten. So I tried to narrow it down, then tried to get down, and it was so painful at times. to be. Here's these wonderful verses that God has put in my life, and then to be like, sorry, not this one. It was so hard. Um, but I, I finally just told myself I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about these other verses I'm not choosing I'm just picking my favorite my favorite favorite. so I came up with 10 of them actually I came up with 14 and it was really hard to get down to 10 so I'm going to share with you during the course of this sermon series also my 4 honorable mention verses that I came up with but again if you want to share with me your favorite verses I would love that and again if you want to give me your permission to share them with the rest of the congregation that would be great um, okay so today we're going to look at two of my favorite verses I've re- grouped them under the theme Jesus is Lord and that's the title of the sermon today our first verse that we're going to look at today is Romans ten nine, and this one comes in at number 3 on my list of top 10 so Romans ten nine says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved you will be saved let me start off with a word about heaven God wants us to go there. We looked at a verse in Sunday School today in which it says that God wants all men, all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There is another option, though. There's a place called hell. And Jesus talked a lot about hell during his earthly ministry. Do you remember him saying some things about hell and how bad it is? Why do you think Jesus did that? As a warning, right? Because he didn't want people to go there. And I don't want you to go there. So as we talk about heaven and hell, please know that God has prepared a wonderful place for his children and he wants you to be there with him for eternity in the best place. And that, if that's going to happen, we need to be saved. Now, Romans 10.9 is going to tell us how to be saved. But if we're going to understand Romans 10.9, we should also understand a little bit about its context. So uh, I want to I do a little bit of context here from Romans 10.9. In the context of of this chapter the Apostle Paul is talking a lot about righteousness and uh, let me actually quote Billy Graham on this one I love this Billy Graham quote he said I have to have righteousness to get into heaven and I don't have any he was talking about himself before knowing Christ now uh, Billy Graham trusted in Christ and uh, for those of us who trust in Christ we get righteousness but he was talking about all of us On our own, we don't have righteousness. In fact, Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. If you're counting on your own righteousness to get to heaven, it is not going to work because we are not righteous. So we have to get righteousness. And that's where Romans 10 comes in. Paul is talking about actually two different groups of people. And I'll put this verse up there, Romans Um, One group of people trying to gain their own righteousness. He says, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness. God will give righteousness to people, but it's not for those people who assume that they have a righteousness of their own. We cannot be counted righteous according to our own works. So, if we are to be righteous, we need to be saved. We need Christ. And that's what Romans 10.9 so beautifully explains. Uh, Oh, sorry, Romans 3.22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So Romans 10.9 tells us about this righteousness and how we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So what I'm I'm about to explain to you is how we come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, how we are saved, how we put our faith in him. And again, it's Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Two action verbs in this verse. Let me first of all mention them. The first one is to confess. It, It means to profess or to declare, or literally, and this one is kind of helpful for me, the word confess literally means to say the same thing. So God has already said, he's already declared that Jesus is Lord. For us to confess that Jesus is Lord means that we simply agree with God, that we recognize that yes, Jesus is Lord. And then to believe, that's the other action word in this verse, to believe means to trust. To put our faith in. And, and here, specifically, we are to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. So we're believing that God has the power, that, that He has the power of life over death, that He is the one who sent Jesus, that He is the one who raised Him from the dead. Okay. So confess and believe. Those are the two verbs, the action verbs in this sentence. Now, it says in there specifically that we are to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. What are we saying? when we say that Jesus is Lord. Now, what I think is that this is perhaps the most important thing I could ever tell you. I've been looking forward to this for a while, uh, to to sharing this verse with you, because I think that if we're talking words to live by, if you ever find yourself asking, what what would Pastor Eric say about this? Which I don't assume that you usually think that, but uh, if you're ever thinking, "What, what would Pastor Eric say? I hope that what you would hear me saying, this little voice of mine in your head saying, Jesus is Lord. It's probably the most important thing that I could say to you. Jesus is Lord. So, what are we saying? When when we're confessing, when we're professing that Jesus is Lord, what are we saying? We're talking about that guy, Jesus, who God's Son sent to this earth, and we're declaring that he is Lord. For him to be Lord means a couple of things. Number one, Lord is the name for God. So it's an amazing thing that, that God the Father would share this name, Lord, with Jesus. And that obviously has to do with the Trinity. We believe that that Jesus is eternally worthy of worship as the one whom God sent, as the one who who not only died for our sins, but also was raised again victoriously. He is Lord. He is forever Lord. And then second, the word Lord, and I know that many of you know this. It's one of my favorite things to teach, and maybe you can already hear me saying it, but the word Lord means what? Master. Master. Good. You've been listening. Lord means master. And here's the thing about masters. There's only room for one. There's only room for one. And it's not us. Again, this is so important. We all came into this world assuming that we were the master of our own lives. We make decisions about what do I want to do? What do I want my life to look like? And if we live like that, just following our own path, we really set ourselves up as our Lord. So when we're confessing here that Jesus is Lord, it's a a turning away from ourselves and a turning towards God it's an acknowledgement that he is the one who is rightfully in control of our lives and we give ourselves fully to him that is what we are to confess that Jesus is Lord and as we're saying it we're agreeing that we are not Lord and I love what Jesus said about Lord the, the word Lord in Luke six forty six. he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say do you get what he means by that if he's the Lord it means whatever he says goes so so that's the commitment that we are to make As we are confessing that Jesus is Lord we are confessing that it's his way and not our way when we confess Jesus as Lord like it says in Romans 10 9 we commit to give our lives to follow him and again he is master we are not so have you have you confessed Jesus as Lord have you given your life fully to him that's what we're to do But then Romans 10.9 also tells us to believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. And let me just tell you, there are lots and lots of very good reasons to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I wrote a a chapter in my book about it. Again, if if any of you don't have my book, I'd be glad to give you a free copy of it today. But I I spent all of chapter 2 in that book talking about um, how God proved who he is by raising Jesus from the dead. And lots of reasons we could say, let me just give one. One great, great reason to believe that Jesus was actually raised from the dead is because he said he would be before he died. In fact, many, many times. I've counted in the Gospel of Mark five times alone where he told his followers ahead of time that he was going to be raised from the dead. And then he did it. And there's lots of other good reasons to believe in it as well. So we are to know that that death is not the end of the story. God has raised our Lord Jesus from the dead, and if we believe in Jesus and Lord, we believe that our death will not be the end of the story either, because we get to be with God forever. We can look forward to our resurrection as well, because Jesus has already been raised. So Romans 10.9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. If you receive him as Savior and Lord, you will be saved. So have you received him? Um, there's a quote from a theologian named F.F. F. Bruce. He said, the cross is the climax of divine revelation. Um, the reason I want to I point out that quote today, the, the cross is the climax of divine revelation, is because it's in the cross of Jesus that we understand a couple of really important things. We understand how bad our sin was. If we look at Romans 10.9 and it says you will be saved, we need to recognize that we need to be saved from our sins. We might think that our sins aren't that bad. Well, I like to say our sins were so bad that Jesus had to die for them. Jesus didn't come and die for your sins because they weren't all that bad. Like if God could have just brushed them under the rug, Jesus wouldn't have been nailed to a Roman cross. Your sin, my sin, it was so terrible that the only payment for it was the death of Jesus Christ, God's beloved Son. So that's what we learn at the cross. But also we learn at the cross about God's love. You think about the payment that was necessary in order for us to be restored into a relationship with God, and God paid it. Jesus willingly offered his life for it. God loves us so much that he sent his son for us. I want to share just a quick story on this. Um, How many of you are familiar here with a little gospel pamphlet called The Four Spiritual Laws. Raise your hand. It's now called Knowing God Personally. Okay, a bunch of you. It's put out by Campus Crusade for Christ. I, I heard a story, and I think it's true because I, I was on staff with Crew for a while and I heard this, this story there. The story goes that the night before it was going to be printed, it was only three spiritual laws. Bill Bright had originally started off by talking about our sin. And he had this stop-the-presses moment. Like, the, the night before it's going to print, and he said, Stop the presses. We have to start with God's love. So now, law one in the four spiritual laws, many of you could probably say it with me God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's where we start. When, when we talk about the gospel, we talk about God's love for us. He does not want us to spend eternity apart from Him. He sent Jesus so that we could spend eternity with Him. Now, how does that happen? It happens as we receive Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. In Romans 10:13, we're told that this salvation is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You can call on the name of the Lord right now. I remember calling on Jesus when I was in high school, and I want to share a little bit of my story right now. And it has to do with one of my honorable mention verses. So this is one of the other four that I'm going to get to in just a moment. Um, The context of this, I I went to Hillcrest. Now, Hillcrest is a Christian school, but I didn't go there because it was a Christian school. I just went there because my friends went there. Oh, and it just happens to be a Christian school? That's fine. Okay. I was sitting in chapel one day, and a preacher shared this verse, Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And he explained that that door is like the door in our hearts. And then Jesus said, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It was the first time I ever remembered hearing that I was to ask Jesus in to be my Savior and my Lord. And as they talked about sin that day, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew, even though I had a reputation as being the good kid. In fact, uh, I think when I told my parents my testimony at first, they they're like, Eric, you're a good kid. What do you need to be forgiven? of?" Well, I knew. I knew that there was stuff that I had done. We've all done stuff that isn't right. We all need to be saved. So I remember that preacher saying that we should ask Jesus in, and I felt God tapping on, like, almost like a knock on my heart. And I had a choice to make. And, and really, it's, it's the choice that's for all of us. It's either receive or reject. And I think God in his mercy gives us some time to figure it out, But at the end of the day, it's either receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, or reject Him. And honestly, I was a little scared. I was a little scared to give my life to Jesus. I wonder if any of you were the same. I was kind of thinking, what's God going to do to me? If I give my whole life to Him, if I confess Him as Lord, I'm giving Him control. What's He going to do? But at the same time, I thought, how could I then reject Him? If He's giving me the offer of life, how could I reject Him? So I prayed, I opened my heart to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. In fact, I want to say a prayer right now. Usually when I say a prayer in my sermons, it means I'm done with my sermon. But I wanna, this is so important right now that I want to pray in the middle of my sermon. I want to I urge you to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you haven't done that yet. Maybe there are some of you that you've been here for a while, and you've heard me talking about this, and you, you're just not sure. Maybe it's for some of you kids maybe there hasn't been a time where you've actually prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Or maybe you're a visitor here and you've never heard this message before. That was me when I was in high school. I grew up in church and I thought I knew it all. And then I heard that we're supposed to actually receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. So I want to say a prayer right now and you can pray it with me if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. So would you, everybody, close your, hand, close your eyes and uh, if you want to say this prayer to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, just repeat after me in your heart. God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. I now pray to receive Jesus as my Savior. I recognize that I have sinned against you, God. Please forgive me. I also pray to receive Jesus as Lord, as my Master. I give my life to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and then I thought we'd do this as well whether that was the first time you've ever received Jesus as your Savior and Lord or whether you've been walking with him for a long time it says in Romans 10.9 that we should confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord so that prayer you did that was like believing in your heart but now I want everybody who believes again whether it was just today or for a long time on the count of three let's say Jesus is Lord together okay one, two, three Jesus is Lord isn't that great? isn't it great to hear other people saying that too? This world might look at us funny for saying that Jesus is Lord, but there are lots of people who believe it, and it's the best way to live our lives. Now, if we've received Jesus as Lord, what do we do? Are we done? Good! I got my free ticket out of hell. Yes, you did. But what next? The theologian Warren Wearsby says, In the Christian life, we never stand still. We either go forward or gradually slip backward. Or as uh, our chief theologian in our our denomination, Greg Strand says, "We are never done with the gospel." And I love that idea that the gospel is a great message for saving us, but it's also a great message for how we are to continue in our walk with God. So I want to move on to my next favorite verse, which is actually my favorite favorite verse, number one on my list. It's actually two verses. Like Dan, it's okay. It's a sentence, so it's 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 one verse, but it's two verses. It'll be very familiar to those of you who have been coming to Cornerstone. In fact, it, it's our benediction verses from Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I know some of you just wanted to say it with me, didn't you? But um, Take a little bit of look at a look at the context of these verses as well, because when you look at a verse, it helps to understand the context of the verse. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians to people who had already received Jesus as Savior and Lord and he wanted them to grow in their faith. In Colossians 1, 6, he said, All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. So God's word was already planted in them. Now he wanted it to grow. In verse 10, he he prayed, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God. You see, when we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, God starts to do some amazing things in us to start to cause us to grow. And that growth is meant to go to an amazing level. Look at Colossians 2:10, it says, "And you have been given fullness in Christ. We are to grow to such a level that we are full in Christ. Remember the, uh, the Taco Bell commercials a while ago where the, the guy would eat his meal and then he would stand up and exclaim, "I'm full!" It was like, other food doesn't satisfy him, but this food does. Well, we are meant to be full in Christ, and it's even better than what Taco Bell will do. It's way better than what Taco Bell will do for you. Which is saying something, but it is way, way better. Now, there's something else that could happen to us, though. We have the option of being full in Christ, but we could follow another path. In fact on both, verses, both sides of Colossians 2, 6, and 7, there's a warning about deception. In verse 4, it says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And then verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So what I want to show you in the context of Colossians here is that we have an option. Having received Christ, we can either keep growing into fullness in Christ or we could wander off into deception. Now, which one do you want? Of course, we want to stick with Christ, right? So how do we do that? How do we stick with Christ? Well, that's where I love Colossians 2, 6 and 7 so much. And again, I'll read them. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. These verses continue the theme I mentioned in Romans ten nine of knowing Jesus as Lord. It says that having received him, we are to continue to live in him. Actually, I like how it's translated a little bit better in some other translations. In the ESV, it says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. The action verbs here, then, are receive and walk. I've already walked through what it means to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's what we talked about in Romans 10.9. So I want to move on now to this idea of walking with the Lord continuing to know Jesus as Lord or it could actually say in fact an even better translation of this verse would be therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk around with him the the verb there is to literally walk around with Jesus now it's not aimless wandering like kids at a mall this is The word picture I have in my mind is of the disciples of Jesus. Think about what would happen there. Jesus would come to these disciples and call them to him. In fact, he asked some of them to leave their profession. Can you imagine, at a moment's notice, Jesus comes up to you and says, Leave your job and follow me. Okay. (laughs) If if he's Lord, that's what we would do, right? Because if he's Lord, it's whatever he says. That's that's so important that I, I've just for, for weeks I've been thinking about how I want to say this to you and I still don't know that I have the words to say it but it goes something like this if Jesus is Lord it means we do whatever he says we go wherever he leads that's the commitment of our hearts and it should be the commitment on a moment by moment basis that my life belongs to him so of course if he leads I will go wherever he goes and it's, it's not even if he leads It's as He leads. I will go wherever He leads me. That's what it means to know Jesus as Lord. Not just that we would receive Him and receive our salvation, that's a huge part of it, but also from there, that we would keep walking with Him as Lord because if He's Lord, He should be the Lord of every moment of your life. If you received Him as Lord, it means that the rest of your life should show that He is Lord. So again, the Gospel is not merely some message of how we get cleansed from sin. It is that. Praise the Lord, it is that. But it is also the message of the new life that God has for us. Because remember, remember, we're not done with the gospel once we receive it. We are to keep walking with Jesus as Lord. This is the life that he has called us to. We're called to know Jesus as Lord and keep walking with him. That means that to show up in everything we do, in the, in the things we do, in the things we don't do, in the way that we resist temptation, in the choices that we make, Our lives should reflect the fact that Jesus is Lord. We could talk here as well about what are often called the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are simply things that we would do to walk with Jesus. So that would be things like reading our Bible and praying. Let's just think about those two things. If Jesus is Lord and God has given us a book, we should get to know this book. And if Jesus is Lord and God hears our prayers, then we should talk to God. In fact, the Bible tells us to pray continually. So spiritual disciplines like praying and reading your Bible and putting yourself around other believers who want to grow in your faith because we will be stronger as we do this together, as we, as we encourage each other to walk with God, we will be stronger. Spiritual disciplines could also be things like fasting or tithing, whatever, whatever God calls you to do, that you would do it because Jesus is Lord. But the, the point of these isn't just the, the doing, like the physical act, like showing up to church. Uh, So, going to church could be a spiritual discipline, but let me tell you this: your heart could be just as far away from God after church as it was before church if you weren't meeting with God. So, the point isn't just getting your body here, although that can help. Getting your body here can help your heart to be here. But the point is that we would meet with God, that we would do our whole lives with Him, like the disciples of Jesus. They they left their job and they followed Jesus. Are we those people who say, Jesus, I will go wherever you lead me. And I I hope and I pray that we will be. That we will continue to be. Because Jesus is Lord, we follow wherever he leads. In my personal Bible reading time this week, I was reading Mark 8, and in verse 34, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, and you know, I kind of knew what was coming next. I've been reading the Bible for a long time. But I stopped right there, and I just thought, what might Jesus say next? He's, he's about to tell us what we should do if we're going to follow him what would it be like what if Jesus called us to leave our job what if Jesus called us to, to finally uh, change that bad habit that we have what if Jesus called us to add something into our schedule that we've been thinking maybe we should for a long time but we've never gotten around to doing it maybe something like going to a bible study or sharing your face with your neighbor what, what is it and I hope And I, as I paused there in that verse I thought, God, I want to do whatever you tell me to do. And I hope that that's your heart's desire as well. The way Jesus actually finished this verse, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To deny yourself has everything to do with knowing Jesus as Lord. Because again, if he is Lord, that means that you are not. And that is so important that we would know that. That we would follow Jesus, even if it means taking up our cross. Uh, For Jesus, his cross was literally carrying the implement on which he would be nailed and put to death. It, It was not something he wanted to do in that sense. And for us, there might be difficult things that God asks us to do, and I pray that we would be willing to carry our cross and follow him, denying ourselves. Because he is Lord, he gets to lead. We're pretty good at trying to take the lead. I pray that we would submit to the leadership of Christ because that's the best life for us, in which we know Jesus as Lord and follow him. And then getting back to Colossians 2, 7, I love um, what we see in verse 7 there. There's three things that we're told that God will do for us. In fact, one of the things I love about these verses is that there are three things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to receive Jesus as Lord and continue to live in him, and at the end of verse 7, overflow with thankfulness. But then in the beginning of verse 7, we see three things that God does for us. He roots us in Christ, builds us up in Christ, and strengthens us in the faith. Rooting is what God does for us when we receive Jesus. It's that act of him planting us in Christ. And we can think of us being then like the, the, the plant that, that gets the nourishment, the, the nutrients from the soil. We are planted in the environment in which we are to grow. God does that for us when we receive Christ. And then Paul shifts the analogy to buildings. I, I don't know why Paul didn't say rooted and growing but he didn't. He, he switched from rooted to built up, which is a word about buildings. So what does that teach us? Well, we know Jesus is the foundation. That means that everything then about our lives is to be built on Jesus as the foundation. And as we're building our lives, I like to think of every single choice that we make is like another brick that we're putting in the building. And if there's a brick that doesn't fit in because Jesus hasn't let us to do it, what should we do? We should not build with that brick. If there's any choice that you're making, and there's this... the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying you shouldn't do that, I hope that we would have such honor for the Lord that we would say, okay, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't fit with the fact that Jesus is Lord. So God builds us up. That's an ongoing process and, and we're involved in that process in the choices that we make. And then strengthened in the faith. That's another thing that God does for us. God will give us strength. And I love how this happens there. Paul said, as you were taught So there's this connection then to our growth in faith. It's connected to what we're taught. And the the application here is that we should be taught the right things. Now that means that we should be students of the Bible so that when we hear false teaching we would recognize it. We were talking about at Sunday school if you hear false teaching you should know it well enough so that you would demand that that teaching not be taught. It also means that we should put ourselves around people who know how to accurately handle God's word now when I talk to college students about, I lead a college ministry at M State Fergus Falls here and I often give them this tip I, said, I say to them and, and this applies it might apply to some of you as well for some of you this, Fergus Falls might be the place where you, you spend the rest of your days and you might you know, spend the rest of your days here at Cornerstone Church as well but for some of you you might move on to another city and what I often tell these college students is you need to know how to pick the right church you need to know how to pick the right church Two very quick and simple tips on that. One, do they love Jesus? And you'll know it. You'll know whether they do or they don't. And then number two, do they honor God's word? And how do you figure that out? Well, very, very simple. Do they open God's word and stay in it? Because what's God going to do for us? He is going to strengthen us in our faith according to His word. In fact, Jesus, the night before He was betr- uh, before He was crucified, prayed for that very thing to happen. We'll talk about that verse in a couple of weeks. I think it made my top ten list. So God rips us in Christ and then builds us up and strengthens us, and then we get back to that last thing—the thing that we're supposed to do: overflowing with thankfulness. I read a quote this week that talked about thankfulness as a sign of Christian maturity. I thought it was so good. People who have learned to walk with Christ also are people who should be learning to be thankful because when we're thankful, we're setting our eyes on Christ. We're recognizing that God is the giver of good gifts. Now, what would be the opposite? Um, The opposite of thankfulness, I think, would eventually get to a life of worry. And, And the reason I say that is because if Jesus is Lord, he leads us in ways that are good. And we can then trust in God that whatever we go through, that God is going to be good to us. Even if we go through the most difficult time of our lives, we know that God is good, and we can even thank Him in the midst of that difficult time. And and we'll be strengthened in our faith if that happens. But the other option would be, if we're pretending to be the Lord of our own lives, and then things start to not go the way that we want them to, what's left to think there? I've tried to do it my way, and it's not going the way that I want it to, I have two options there. I either worry because I think I'm in charge or I recognize that I wasn't created to be in control and I give my life to Jesus. Thankful people are people who have learned that Jesus is Lord and that's a good thing and he's Lord of everything. And because he's the Lord of everything we can give him thanks. So how thankful are you? Are you somebody who's overflowing? This word it, it means that. It means overflowing. It means a whole bunch of it. Always. We're commanded in scripture to give thanks in all circumstances. Have you learned that lesson? It will be a great lesson for your soul because along with it will come peace and contentment and joy. In fact, just the other day somebody told me that one of the ways that we get joy is by rejoicing. And it's true. So let's be thankful people who overflow with thankfulness. So is Jesus your Lord? Have you received him? Are you walking with him? If Jesus is Lord, it should show in everything we do. Again, the theologian Warren Wiersbe said, "We are to walk in Christ." I, I love this. This is a great summary of Colossians two, six, and seven. We are to walk in Christ the same way we originally received Christ by faith. And what I've showed you today is that Jesus is Lord, and that we are to believe in Him. Jesus is Lord, and we are to believe in Him. Lord, I need You. You are Lord. I'm not. We were not created to do this life on our own or in our own power. God wants us to be with him so he sent Jesus for us that we could live our life with him now and forever. And if we are to know Jesus as Lord, then we are to keep walking with him as Lord. Not just receiving him at one point and then going our own way, but receiving him and continuing to walk with him. That means we don't direct our own lives. Instead, we let God lead. Now what we're going to do now for the rest of this service, um, we're going to sing a couple of songs now that are meant to remind us of, of this life in which God is in control and we're not. And then after we do those two songs, we're going to do a time of communion. And one of the things I love about communion, well first of all, Jesus commanded us to do it. And then second of all, the very elements of communion share the gospel story with us. As we partake of these elements in communion, it's like we're reminding each other of the gospel, and as we eat them, it's almost like we're confessing with our mouth, not with our words, but with our chewing and our drinking, we're confessing that Jesus is Lord. So that's what we're going to do here with the rest of our service, is we're going to sing a couple of songs, go into communion, because we believe that Jesus is Lord, and we believe that the best life for us is the one in which we follow him wherever he leads. May we have faith to trust Jesus as Lord and to keep walking with him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful gospel message that we can be saved. And Lord, we recognize again that we have sinned against you so many times. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ. And we confess again that Jesus is Lord. And God, we pray that you would strengthen us to keep walking with Jesus as Lord wherever he leads. And that as we know Jesus as Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would build us up in the faith, that you would strengthen us according to your teaching. And Lord, may we be people who are rooted in Christ and who overflow with thankfulness. You are worthy, God, of our whole lives. We give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.